There's such a tendency in the human heart to immediately assume the worst or judge or be critical of people or people groups, but that is not how the Lord views people. And how do we as Christians have that same view that he has? How do we keep that compassion? Hello, wonderful people. This is Katrin at Love God First, back with you again, journeying through Genesis, still in chapter one, but I'm excited today to talk to you about what it means to be made in the image of God. We hear that all the time as Christians. We hear it pretty regularly. But what does it really mean? Like, why do we care about that? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Because how we see ourselves and other people greatly affects how we live. And this goes directly into that, directly into how we relate to others, how we see them, how we see ourselves. It's one of those bedrock foundational truths about life today. That's all, just that. That's just what we're going to talk about today. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it is life and that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we dwell in it and think about it and ponder it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, give us insight today what it means to be made and created in the image of God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, I'm going to read. First, I'm going to read Genesis 1. And I think I'm just going to read verse 26. Well, I'll read 26 and 27. Here we go. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So what are we talking about today? The image of God. We've been made in the image of God and not just made, created in the image of God. We are uniquely set apart from all other created things. We have a capacity for and a yearning for fellowship with God. I can relate personally to him. It's not like pet to owner. It's like a friend. In fact, John 15, 15 says, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, no longer do I call you slaves, but I have called you friends, friends. We, we always have this desire as, as humans to be worshiping something or someone. Do you notice that? That we all worship. It's just a question of who or what that we worship. It might be money. It might be a person. It might be power, greed, whatever it is. But we were made with a yearning to, to know God, to fellowship with him. And when that's not fulfilled with the Lord, we're going to put something else in his place, aren't we? So we have that. And then also our moral nature is in God's likeness. So we have a possession of a conscience. Now, of course, people can violate their conscience. And all the time there are people who have sort of seared their consciences and hardened their hearts. But we're talking about how God made us in his likeness at the beginning before the fall. So as Christians, we're going back to the original plan, back to holiness. In fact, in Colossians 3.10... Actually, 3, 9, and 10 I'm going to read. It says, Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self 
who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So get that at the end there, according to the image of the one who created him. So we're being renewed to a true knowledge of that. We're going back to that original plan, back to holiness. What else? What else about the image of God? Well, we're an immortal spirit. We're an immortal spirit. Now, we're not eternal. That means we we weren't sort of, we're not little babies in heaven, baby spirits waiting to be sort of conceived on earth, and then we go down this big, long baby chute, and boom, it goes into our bodies. It's not like that. When our mother and father conceived us, we began in that moment, and we keep going. We keep going. So this is a really important distinction. We have a body, but we are a spirit. We have a body. We are a spirit. We, we, have a, we are a spirit because God is spirit, and he made us in his image. This is why salvation is so important. If we go on past death, we'd better know Jesus. We'd better have that figured out before, before our body is done. And, you know, it's interesting. People will say, like, well, how do you know that? Well, haven't you heard stories? Like, I have, I have a friend who was a nurse in the ER. And one of the stories that she told was there was a guy who came in and he was, I don't know if it was a heart attack or what, but he basically flatlined on the table and died in the ER. And they couldn't get him back for a few minutes. But finally, after two or three minutes, they revived him and he came back. And after he came back, he said, I saw all of you when when I was when you were working on me. And they're like, what do you mean? And he said, well, I was over in that corner right up there. And they're like, what? And he's, and they, and then he began to tell them all the people that came in and went out and exactly what they had done while he had been flatlined. Like there's no way he could have known what was happening in that room, except that he was watching. Why? Because his spirit was just sort of hovering up at the corner of the room and then phew, went right back in again when they revived him. There are lots of stories like that. I'm sure that that you maybe know someone who has a story like that, but we are a spirit. We have a body. Why? Because we are made in God's image and God, the father, he's spirit. Now, yeah, Jesus became a man in the flesh and he is that now and will be that for all eternity now. What a sacrifice. And he's wonderful. Can you believe that he did that for us? I mean, that's, that's now what he looks like is his new body when he was resurrected. That's it now. And by the way, we're going to have a new resurrected body too. Our body right now is not the end, which I'm happy to say because it's just wasting away. You know, slowly and surely our bodies are dying. It'll be nice to have a fabulous new beautiful one. I just I'm going to have this flowing locks of hair. It's going to be it's going to be fabulous. Okay, so just a one quick note about that about body and spirit. Does that mean that I can do whatever to my body? Okay, it's not going to be with me forever. I'm, I'm an eternal, I mean, not eternal, I'm an immortal spirit, so it doesn't really matter what I do, right? No, it matters. Let me read 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. So, yeah, we've got to honor the Lord with our bodies too. Basically, every every part of us needs to honor the Lord as a Christian. That's the deal. That's what we surrendered when we came to know the Lord is we surrendered 
our will. We surrendered our own plans. We're going with the Lord's plan now, which is better. What else about the image of God? What else does that mean? Well, you know, the Lord himself, God the Father, he has certain personality components that we have. And you can see them in Genesis 1, 26 to 31. First of all, God has a mind. And you can see that in verse 26. Then God said, let us make. So he said, he said something. So he's thinking. That's, that's what we do. We think too, right? So we have minds. We think. And then a will. God has a will. In that same verse, let us make. That's a decision, a choice. And I can choose. I can choose right. I can choose wrong. And emotions. I love and hate things. The Lord does too. And you can see that in verse 31. It says, then God saw everything that he had made. And indeed, it was very good. It was very good. So that emotion, affection, we have those same personality components. I heard a person say once, and I I don't know who the guy's name, but it just always stuck with me. He said, as people created in the image of God, we are intellectual beings, so we long for truth. We are moral beings, so we long for goodness. And we are aesthetic beings, so we long for beauty. Now, why, why would God do this? What, what's the whole purpose of this? I, I said this at the beginning. I think it was one of the very first podcasts that I did. Why would he do this? It's for the joy of sharing the love that exists between the Father and the Son. You know, he didn't need us. There was fellowship going on between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But because of the overflow, the outpouring of love that God had, he wanted a bigger family. And if you want to look at a Bible reference for that, I don't have time today, but John 17 verses 23 through 26 explains that if you want to look at that later. All right. So now how does this affect our view of others? Because of course, for us, it's great. It's like, wow, I made the image of God. I have value. In fact, let me just stop there for a second. Do you know that because you've been made of the image of God that you have value? And that's not a universal belief in humans. In fact, if you think about history and the worst atrocities that have been done with humans, it's always been precedented by this dehumanization of people, this thinking of them as subhuman. I mean, think back, how many people groups have been persecuted and put into slavery and hurt for whatever reason? So how does this affect our view of others as people being made in the image of God? And that doesn't just mean Christians, that's every person has been made in the image of God even people you don't like and people you don't know. And it's true of every people group in the world. So every person's valuable because they were made in the image of God. It's hard to see that with people who cross our prejudice, isn't it? When you don't like someone and you're like, okay, that person's been made in the image of God and they have value. It's, it's hard to see it. Who are the people who drive you crazy? Who challenges your patience and ability to love them? Who are those you have dehumanized? So for me, I have had certain interactions with people in my life, homeless people, who have approached me in a sort of a dangerous, confrontive way at different different places I can think back in my life. And so I have a tendency to avoid and, and just stay back from homeless people. But the Lord really challenged me about that, that attitude I don't know how many years ago, but like when I would drive by someone holding a sign or something and I would just be like, oh, 
you know, just get so frustrated about it. But now I'm like, no, that's that person's made the image of God. They have value. And so every time I see a person, I just pray for them. I just pray the Lord's blessing. I pray the Lord's healing and hope over them and just pray. I pray for for each one. So that was something that that the Lord challenged me. I, I remember this one time my husband and I were in France at a train station and there we were waiting in this waiting area. It was just a miserable day of travel. I was so tired and exhausted, just st- sitting there kind of numb. And a guy was in there who was obviously homeless. He was really smelly. His, his clothes were beat up. He just, he looked in bad shape and he was going around and trying to talk to and elicit some kind of a response to anybody in this train in this train waiting room train station waiting room and i remember he went up to this one young girl which i understand she's alone and she's young and she's pretty and so what her strategy was was she just completely ignored him she looked through him like he wasn't there and he got in her face you know was talking to her and she wouldn't even acknowledge his presence it was like he was invisible and so he got in her face and just yelled yelled, 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 and just was, and of course, I didn't know what he was saying. He was talking in French and I don't, I don't speak French. So I just remember being so impacted by that. He didn't talk to us, but he talked to a lot of people in that room and nobody acknowledged that he was even there. And that really struck me because he had value to the Lord. He was known. His name was known. So who today fits in that category for you. Who what's what's the group of people or it could just be one person or a couple of people who have just crossed that prejudice and you have a really hard time saying, yeah, they're they're valuable. They're worth something. I remember this great story I heard about Jack Hayford once as a pastor who he just passed away like this year, last year, really recently. But he was crossing a road one day and he walked over and there was a penny on the road and he just walked back by it and the Lord spoke to his heart, you know, just kind of prompted him and said, go back and get that penny. And so he picked it up. He went back, picked it up. And the Lord just said to him, everyone is important, every single one. And he was just showing Jack that with that penny illustration that every person, every single person is important and has value. And let me just say too, for those of you who maybe are more mature Christians or you're, you're a person who's maybe looking at mentoring people or speaking into those people's lives that the Lord maybe has put, don't underestimate the influence you can have even on the one person because you don't know what that person's going to go and do. Like even if you just reach one, even if you just reach one person for Jesus, that has ripple effects, like throwing a stone in a pond. There's these ripple effects that keep going past the, the stone going in. And it's kind of like that with people, that we minister to the one, and then the Lord just multiplies, just multiplies. So don't be discouraged. If you're a person who you're still trying to figure out, okay, well, Lord, how do I, how do I win people to Jesus? How do I disciple people? I think that there's one person that I maybe have ever talked to. Don't give up. Keep trying. Keep going. Keep being sensitive to where the Holy Spirit's leading you to serve him. But don't underestimate the one. Each one is valuable to the Lord. So today, are you having someone or some group of people come to mind that the Lord's like, yeah, you probably need to bring those 
people to me and surrender again that attitude. I know I regularly have this in my own heart where, yeah, I just get frustrated. I get frustrated with people. And so I have to bring them before the Lord again and forgive and repent. Repenting is a good thing. It's not something we just do once when we come to know the Lord. We do it then, obviously, but we keep doing it. We keep course correcting, turning back to the Lord. So let's do that now in regard to our attitudes with others. So Lord, we we come. Thank you for how you made each of us different how you made each of us unique and gifted, and Lord, how every single person has value, every person. Lord, even the ones that we have sadly dehumanized in our own hearts. We just pray for forgiveness for that right now. We bring you those who we've we've done that to. We pray a blessing over them. We repent, and we just wanna honor those who you've put in our lives and help our attitudes to stay soft towards those that we don't know, but that you do, Lord. You know each and every person's name. And so thank you, Lord, for keeping our hearts tender. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, don't forget to click the like button and subscribe to our podcast and share with a friend. And if you have questions about Genesis that I haven't answered yet, feel free to email me at lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com. That's lovegodfirstpodcast at gmail.com.